What's up, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Up Tempo Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lane, here with my co-host, Dustin Smith, and we have a very special guest in the building with us tonight, Mr. Lindsey Crosby. Uh, most of you can catch him at the Auburn Daily. I know most of you listen to him on the Locked On Network. Uh, he does a couple podcasts on there. Lindsey, man, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm Any night I get to talk Auburn baseball is a good night. I'm glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, Lindsey, first, I just wanted to ask you, uh, with the podcast and stuff, I know you make appearances on Locked On Auburn with Zach over there, man, and I know you do your own MLB thing. Uh, tell me how that's going and, and how, just kind of how all of it started and the process of getting into Locked On. So I actually uh, started off in, in 2020. I went mm-hmm. into Zach's radio show back when he was – he had the Auburn podcast, but he mm-hmm. was doing morning radio in, in Auburn locally. I went in to pitch an event that we were doing, a, a, a charitable event, February 29th, 2020. Wow. Turns out that was the last event I got to do for like a year. But I had gone in. We were just talking after the, uh, the, the mics had turned off. Mm-hmm. Had good chemistry, both like sports. Things were working out really well. And they needed somebody to come into the radio station, help out with some stuff. And so he, no joke, he just kind of slid in my DMs. And he's like, hey, man, you, can you come help us out of the radio station? Started doing that. Pandemic hits. Everything just goes crazy. And so my background in finance and banking, we started doing a, a, a segment on the radio show about like in an emergency situation, like you lost your job because of a pandemic. Like, what should you do? And we started off doing that and it started going really well to the point where he asked me to be his co-host. He had a, mm-hmm. they, they had a co-host opening and we had a sports segment every morning. We spent about 30 minutes talking Auburn sports, football, baseball, whatever it was. And when he had an opening on his show to have a host on a co-host on Mondays, he said, Hey, will you come do that with me as well? And through him is where the baseball opportunity opened up. I host Locked on MLB Prospects, mm-hmm. and it's been – I'm in year two now. Started that early January last year, uh, and it has grown to be oh, – during the offseason, a lot of the Locked On pods are allowed to drop from five days a week, the daily thing, to three days a week. And okay. I kept doing the five or sometimes six shows a week because there's so much stuff to go on when you're talking prospects. There's mm-hmm. 120 minor league teams, right? And so uh, just in January – when I was checking some of the, the the charts and the measurements and things like that, the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast became a top 15 baseball podcast. Not just like a prospect podcast, wow. but top 15 in all of baseball. And wow. it's and I think part of that's just because I flood the zone. I do so many shows that like they all add up. <laughs> but part of it too is like it just it goes back to the whole concept behind hard work. Like show up and do the work every day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I do I do 30 minutes of baseball podcasting five or six days a week. And then Mm -hmm. I'm on locked on Auburn on Mondays with Zach. We talk all Auburn sports, not just baseball, football, basketball, all of that. And then I also host two episodes a week of the Auburn daily podcast where we're talking Auburn sports as well. And it's just, Mm -hmm. you put in the work, you have genuine information. You just be excited and passionate to teach it. And there you go. Mm. I love that Lindsay, man. I I remember when I first started this podcast, uh, I made a TikTok about uh, it was after the Georgia Alabama SEC championship game last year and I had an Auburn hoodie on and I was at my kitchen table and I acted like I called Kirby smart and I was making fun of Georgia how they could never win the big one and I said you have the mouth of an Alabama fan but the trophy case of a Vanderbilt fan and it 
blew it's, up that night. This whole thing's but, your fault, is what you're saying. <laughs> this whole yes, thing it, is Kirby Smart getting, uh, getting like just getting back at you personally. Yes, it it bit me in the long run. Uh, hey, but Bandy's <laughs> baseball case is not bad. Th- that is true. That Bandy's is true. Baseball uh, case is not bad. Coach Corbin is is one of the elites, man. Um, but yeah, I, I started this thing up and and found Dustin along the way, and and we just moved over to YouTube, and and it's been a fun journey, man. So um, I'm I'm excited to have you on here, and Lindsay, I wanted to start this thing off tonight with the first question I wanted to ask is the disrespect to Auburn baseball. Um, I, I just it baffles me that this yeah. team. This program finishes in the top six in the country last year. They go to Omaha, and they've been out there uh, two times in the in the past three seasons, uh, minus the COVID year. But mm-hmm. uh, just the disrespect, man, with with the with the high recruiting class and and the guys that Auburn has returning, and then we look in the polls, and some people don't even have them ranked. Some people have them seventh and sixth in the West. Uh, I mean, what's going on there, man? So it, it, it kind of goes back to that COVID year, right? So mm-hmm. 2019, you go to the College World Series. It's a great year. Everybody expected it to be a great year. Mm-hmm. 2020 blows up in your face. 2021, Auburn is – that's my dog, Jolene. 20, <laughs> she's, she's going wild out there. She's also mad about the disrespect. 2021, uh, everybody's expecting big things from Auburn, right? You're coming mm-hmm. off the College World Series. You don't have a year last year. And then Auburn just has – terrible luck with pitching right then you go to plans d e and f for your starters you know true freshman trace brights out there throwing a bunch of games uh not necessarily the plan you expected to have uh and so you finish not a great year and you go into 2022 and everybody just kind of assumes the same ending right they assume all right auburn had a bad year last year gonna be a bad year this year it's fine let's move on uh auburn does really well last year but a lot of the key performers, statistically, you know, your Sonny Deshera, your Blake mm-hmm. Burkhalter, uh, these guys leave. Uh, they go to, to MLB, and you have, I think you have nine players drafted, and none of them had been drafted before. Like, this is the first time any of these guys have been drafted. Mm-hmm. And so the assumption behind Auburn is, yes, you brought in a good recruiting class. Yes, you brought in some transfers like a Justin Kirby, like a, a Cooper McMurray, but we don't know right now who's going to pick up that slack. Who's going to be the co-SEC player of the year? Who's going mm-hmm. to lead the conference in saves? And I think the reason why Auburn's not ranked now is they're not going to do it like that. You're not going to have somebody come in and replace Sonny Deshera. In mm-hmm. my mind, Sonny Deshera is on the Mount Rushmore of one-and-dones in Auburn sports history. Hmm. You're, yeah. looking at Cam, yeah. you're looking at Cam Newton. You're looking at Jabari Smith, probably Walker mm-hmm. Kessler as well. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at Sonny Deshera. That is your Mount Rushmore of one-and-dones at Auburn. Uh, but what you're going to do is you're going to be able to kind of recreate his production in the aggregate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Pierce wasn't a starter until LSU. Uh Nate LaRue wasn't a starter until that debacle at Old Miss where you have five errors in one game and you're catching yeah. blows up. Uh, and these guys with like, like Bobby Pierce finished the year second on the team in home runs, despite yeah. not starting until LSU. It's something where you get full years of some of these breakout players. You integrate some of this talent. You have a Justin Kirby batting sixth. You have a Cooper McMurray. Uh, you have some of these guys in here. You have a full season of Ike Irish, a DH. And you're going to end up from those group of guys 
with the same amount of runs scored and home runs as that offense last year that was keyed by Sonny Deshera. And at times, nobody else. I can remember games last year where Sonny Deshera goes one for two with a home run, a strikeout, and three walks. Mm -hmm. Because there was just nobody else in the lineup to protect him. And you're not going to have that this year. You're going to have, you can't walk Ike Irish because Nate LaRue is behind him. Cole Foster's behind him. Justin Kirby's behind him. Bobby Pierce is behind him. You can't, like, you don't get a break in this lineup like you did last Mm -hmm. year. And so I think part of it from the national perspective is they don't see a stud waiting to replace the stud you lost at all these different positions. And they assume, well, Auburn's not going to capture that magic again. Whereas we know these dudes are really good and things work out where you're going to get a lot more time from them than you got in the past. Mm, Yeah, Lindsay. uh, Look, Talking about the big recruiting class that Auburn had come in, I know you mentioned Ike Irish. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Zach Crotchfield, um, and and I wanted to know what are you hearing or seeing from Zach, and and how is he coming along so far? So that that third rotation spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's been the big conversation point. You've had one penciled in for Joseph Gonzalez, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Junior Sinkbar coming back. You've had one penciled in for Chase Alsup, the sophomore from Dothan with the massive power fastball. But that third spot has kind of been a toss-up. And a lot of the spring games I've seen, they've had orange versus blue. They've had Crossfelt versus Drew Nelson. Just two mm. freshman lefties out there trying to compete to see who should be in that third spot. And I think at least early in the season, you're going to see it go back and forth, right? You're mm. going to see some games where Crossfelt starts, and then you're going to see maybe the next weekend Crossfelt comes in in the fourth as a piggyback and goes three or four innings. I've been pretty impressed with his fastball velocity, uh, you know, for a lefty, for a freshman hitting 93, 94, things like that. He has a two seamer. He'll throw in the low nineties. The curveball, really good shape to it. I kind of like what that looks like. His pickoff move is really good to first. I just, I don't quite know if he's been as consistent with throwing strikes. Something Mm -hmm. that they did uh, two weeks ago in some of the squad games was they set it up. Two balls was a walk because they were trying to get both him and Nelson to understand you don't have to just nibble around the zone and hope they chase something out of the zone. You can throw a strike, let them make soft contact, and the defense will just pick it up. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like Nelson's internalized that a little bit more than Crotchfeld has at this point in spring. And so this weekend against Indiana, I expect Nelson to be that Sunday starter. And then Crotchfeld's either probably going to start on that Tuesday or you're going to use him as a starter the next weekend when you travel to USC. Mm. It's just something where I, it's those two guys, though they like both those guys. Ideally, they want both those guys to be starting. It's just a matter of figuring out who works best against the lineup you're facing. Because Nelson's very much a pitch to contact, get a lot of ground balls with the defense work. Crotchfeld has good enough stuff where he mm. can blow it past him He just has to commit to putting it in the zone. And sometimes that's a little bit of a mental hurdle for a freshman to do in the SEC. Well, Lindsey, man, I want to ask you real quick uh, before I turn this thing over here to Dustin. Uh, Man, with Cole Foster moving over from second base to shortstop and and losing guys like Blake Rambush and and one of my favorites, man, Brody Moore, uh, I just feel like. That guy was uh, – he was everything that Auburn baseball is about. Uh, who did not have in these... a single throwing error last year. Oh, it, wow. He was... did not have a single throwing error last hmm. year. And it's just – It's so hard for a shortstop to do that. That's just yeah. – yeah. 
That that's what Butch loves. Dominate the routine play. Like that's Butch's thing. And Brody definitely did that. One of the better defensive shortstops Auburn's had in a while. Sorry to interrupt. No, I just to no, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, and that was one of the things with me about Brody, man. And and uh, it was it was the grinder in him, and and just uh, the the bunts. You know, uh, the way he read the defense, and and he could see a bunt, and he would lay it down and beat it out to first. Uh, he was just that guy, man, that that you could always count on him. And it felt like when Auburn was struggling, he was there to pick Auburn up. Um, but man. How do you who comes in here and how do you plug these holes uh, with losing guys like Ram Bush and Brody Moore? So the the Brody Moore one is going to be Cole Foster moving back to his prep position as shortstop, and mm-hmm. you know he's the third straight uh, shortstop recruit to play some second base earlier in his career and then move back to short. Uh, mm-hmm. Brody did it, and in deference to. Um, our short king, I, I, uh, Ryan, Ryan Bliss, Bliss yeah. in deference to Ryan Bliss, yeah, and then Ryan did it as well. And so, I feel comfortable having watched, uh, having watched what Cole Foster's done. The actions are good, the hands are good, the arm is accurate, uh, more than strong enough to make all the plays. Does a pretty good job at picking hole, uh, picking balls in the hole. So, I feel good about that. At mm-hmm. third base, it's it's been a position battle between freshman Gavin Miller out of Pennsylvania and Bryson Ware. Bryson Ware was a junior college shortstop, came to Auburn. They put him in the outfield, played really good defense out there. Back in the infield now, absolute cannon for an arm. That's that he can fire a ball across the infield. Uh, defensively, he's definitely got the leg up. And my expectation on Friday is going to be he's going to be the starting third baseman, batting probably eighth or so. Uh, if it's a close game late, you may have the possibility of pinch hitting for Bryson Ware and then putting Gavin Miller or somebody else out there at third to play defense later. Uh, but uh, one, the veteran, two, the good defense. Butch likes to dominate the routine play. Bryson mm-hmm. Ware is going to be your guy at third. And then transfer Caden Green has pretty much won the job at second base. He'll probably be batting ninth. Might be a similar situation where late in games, you may be willing to pinch hit for Caden Green as well. But either way, they've kind of solidified that left side of the infield after you lost Rambush, who was really the he, he was really the 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 spark that got this offense going. Just the ability to choke up yeah. with, with with two strikes and no matter what, put a ball in play. Yep. Uh, you know, the the aggressiveness on the base pass, a lot of stuff got this team fired up and got this offense moving. Mm-hmm. And it's probably gonna be harder to replace that energy on offense than maybe it's gonna be the defense. He played good defense at third. Uh, but you're looking at who's going to lead off and kind of give you that energy. That's probably the hardest part to replace about Blake Rambush is that intangible um, excitement component that he brought to the game. Mm. Go ahead, Dustin. You're good, man. All right. So before we link, when we linked up, buddy, before we started, you said you think you have answered. There's no question you can be asked as you have an answer because you've been on the Auburn podcast merry-go-round today, right? <laughs> I've been, I've been doing a lot of uh, just the last <laughs> week or so, a lot of uh, including tonight, a lot of Auburn baseball previews, a lot of discussion about the season, the roster not being mm-hmm. ranked, the schedule. Uh, I'm sure you'll find something to to, yeah, to stump I'm, me on, but for the I'm most a- part. We're kind I don't of, think I'm gonna stump. I don't think I'm gonna stump you because I am a I'm a listener of Locked On Prospects. But okay, how um how are my hometown Pensacola Blue Wahoos gonna do this year, man? Are there some there's some <laughs> are there some major league prospects on my team? So the the issue with Pensacola, I say I say that you're gonna be fine. I I <laughs> like the talent that Miami has at Double A. I'm a little concerned about the offense. And specifically the outfield. I don't think there's a ton of outfielders 
that are kind of at that double-A level. Hard part is right now, it's kind of hard to know until they break spring training to know yeah. who's going to be double-A, who's going to be triple-A. Mm-hmm. But something for a while that you've struggled with in this Miami system is developing outfielders, specifically finding center fielders, and then <laughs> finding guys, anybody really, with power. And so it's going to be exciting games in Pensacola, but the system doesn't profile to have a ton of guys that have a ton of offense as far as yeah. uh, you know home mm. run power. It's going to be a lot of station to station, going to be a lot of balls in the gaps, things like that. But it's it's going to be a fun watch. And I don't think you'll get Yuri Perez back. But if you get Yuri Perez back, you're going to get one of the best pitching prospects in baseball for a couple weeks before he inevitably gets moved to AAA. I just, they might start him in AAA. I'm not quite sure. But uh, this system does a great job of developing pitchers. You'll have some fun guys come through. And then you'll have a lot of, they've targeted a lot of guys in the draft. They've started the target power in the draft. So you'll start seeing in the next year or two a lot more guys coming through that have home run power, but they've got more swing and miss as well. They're trying to they're leaning a little bit into the power at the expense of contact versus trying to find that rare guy who can do both. I love it, man. You bring it, brother. You got it all covered. <laughs> oh, hey, anytime you come to the eight five zero, man, let me know. We gonna catch a game. I'll get you some free beer, free food, all that. We can get you hooked up. Of course, um, always beautiful, beautiful ballpark on the bay, by the way. But back to the Auburn, man, you you answered a lot of my questions I had about pitching. But I think back to the Oregon State game, man, and, and Blake Burkhardt coming in and just mm-hmm. being shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually talked about it on the podcast at the end of the year. We were like an Auburn year in review. And me and Blake kind of agreed that that low key, that moment was one of the top moments in Auburn sports mm-hmm. that year. And obviously the run we had in basketball and all that big year. But Blake coming in and just shutting it down, man. And we knew it, right? Like, at that point, we knew when he comes in, okay. Like, that didn't surprise us. We expected that. Done. It's done. Mm-hmm. So, he's he's gone now. Like, a lot of a lot of those guys that we depended on in that pitching staff, um, who are we looking at to kind of be that guy for us now? Yeah, that's the hard part, right? You lost both Burkhalter and Carson Skipper. And those yep. two guys mm-hmm. together, you had a lefty and a righty. And yep. they were your – you could – if you got the game to the fifth or sixth, it's over. You know, you Skipper could go to Berkey could go to or more if he had to. I've seen Berkey pitch twice in one day before he closed two games in a double header. <laughs> I think it's South Carolina. Um, you're going to your bullpen, your back end of the bullpen is going to be to start off four guys. You're going to have John Armstrong. You're going to have Tommy Vale. You're going to have Chase Isbell and you're going to have Will Cannon. Uh, it's those are the guys that they trust in those high leverage situations. Uh, it's kind of like with the offense in Sonny the Shara. You don't have one guy to step in to replace Blake Burkhalter, you're going to do it in the aggregate. But Mm -hmm. each of those guys give you different looks, give you different things. Uh, Tommy Vale being the lefty really helps. John Armstrong with that, I want to call it a UFO slider, but apparently it's a bad week to call things UFOs. (laughs) Uh, A a Frisbee slider, maybe. He's got that. He has the the two-seamer. And then he's been working on adding a four-seamer with a little more velocity to it. And I think if he can get that yeah. four-seamer to, to sit, you know, 92 or so, because right now the, his, his, his two-seamer is about 89. If he can get that four-seamer around 92 or so, he'll have the stuff, in my opinion, to yeah. be your, your for-sure closer, come out of the pen and shut it down. I watched him at a squad game on Friday, last Friday, come in, runners on first and third, nobody out and he gets mm. out of it in six pitches mm. and i he's he's this close to having the stuff to be that lights out shutdown closer but for yeah. now it's going to kind of be a committee 
It's going to be based on matchups. If I had to guess based on what I've observed, what I've seen, if you get your first save situation this weekend, yeah, Will so Cannon's going to be the guy that comes out. You're going to see Will Cannon coming out against Indiana and, mm-hmm. and getting the save. Uh, but all four of those guys are in it. They're the four horsemen in the stable there. And uh, you're going to recreate Blake Burkhalter and Carson Skipper with them until somebody steps up. Butch likes to say the players make out the lineup once the season starts. And mm. same thing. The players are the one who, who decides who gets called from the bullpen once the season starts. So somebody is going to step up and just take that closing role and run with it. And if I had yeah. to guess, given the stuff, I'd say John Armstrong or Will Cannon. Yeah, so that'll be fun to watch, man. Um, last year was when I kind of started hearing about this scholarship limitation, right? Like how the state of Alabama has, what is it, 11? 11 so, for baseball? So the way it works is for NCAA in general, it's 11.7 scholarships divided amongst your entire baseball team. Now, mm-hmm. teams in the state of Alabama, so Auburn and Alabama both, are a little bit more hurt than usual because unlike the state of Georgia or Mississippi or whatever, they don't have a version of like say Georgia's hope scholarship where anybody in state can get uh, their tuition covered academically Mm. by meeting certain requirements in high school. And so Auburn's always kind of been behind because they didn't have the ability like a Mississippi school would to get, to keep the guys in state on academic scholarships and use the, and use or, yeah. or Florida, yeah, and use the eleven point seven to go get mm-hmm. guys from out of state. NIL has kind of changed a lot of that, and yeah. so NIL can, if nothing else, cover the cost of attendance for every single player on the roster, so that no one's paying out of pocket to come to your school. It doesn't necessarily matter how you divide the eleven point seven scholarships up now, because NIL is going to step in and cover all of the rest of it for every player on the roster. And the hope is that in the future, the NCAA, like they've made some changes to make baseball better. Starting in 2024, you mm-hmm. will no longer have that volunteer third assistant coach. They will be a, yeah. it's a paid position now. So okay. in the past, you had Tim Hudson as your pitching coach. He was the volunteer. Uh, thankfully, he was independently wealthy from you know a long <laughs> career in MLB. Uh, but like guys in that position, typically they get compensated by, they can either have some sort of job on campus They can Mm -hmm. get money from the camps and things like that you do, but they also have restrictions. They can't leave campus to recruit. There's like, there's certain things they can and can't do starting next year. Those guys will be full standard assistants with all of the, they can go recruit. They can get paid to work. What a novel concept, but we still haven't quite (laughs) figured out that, that scholarship thing. And for right now, NIL has filled it in an ideal world. They just say you can have 33 scholarships or you can have, mm-hmm. you know, 30, I'm sorry, 38 scholarships. You can have 38 scholarships, 38 players in your roster, 38 scholarships done, but we're not quite there yet. There's a lot of legal stuff you have to go through. Yeah. If you give scholarships to one sport, you have to balance it with another sport for the other gender. And it's a whole thing. So for now, mm-hmm. thank goodness for NIL. And I can like, without giving away too much, I can say that like Auburn has taken advantage everything that they can do legally to use NIL mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm balance the playing field with yeah. your Floridas and your Arkansas and your Mississippis and all of that stuff. Love That's that. awesome. Cause that was, that was going to be my follow-up question for you was, are we doing that as on to victory starting to go ahead and get ahead and doing that. So yeah, if you, if, if you ever think about uh, signing up for on to victory and you're not sure whether I think $34 a month is the lowest contribution yeah. level. If you're ever not sure if it's worth it or not watching an Auburn baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. single player out there has a relationship with on to victory uh, mm. and, and, 
has at least the cost of attending Auburn University, they have assistance to cover that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm signed up, and we encourage people all the time, man. Go on there and help out. Yep. Um, last one I got, man, I think Butch, he said – this was probably one of the, my favorite things that an Auburn coach has ever said, and I think sometimes the Auburn family needs to hear this. Uh, he said the expectation now is to no longer go to Omaha. It is now to get here and win it. We've been here, and Auburn teams have been here before. Um, personally – and I think you'll agree with me, and I kind of want you to speak on it. How much is this facility upgrade? Because facilities is the buzzword around Auburn right now. You hear it with the <laughs> football, the basket, Bruce needs his basketball. This is the big buzzword. And and I love planes, but I know that Blake and, and you do too. But yep. it's it's behind the Arkansas and the Mississippi States. How big are these upgrades going to be for us in recruiting, paired with NIL, and just just the program as a whole? So the big thing with the facilities upgrades – and. The rest of that quote that that Butch always talks about when he talks about going to Omaha and winning and not just getting there is the goal. He always says, I'm not afraid. Like He's like, the bad thing is not to aim too high and miss. It's to aim too low and hit. Yep. The goal should be a push. It should be farther. It shouldn't be something shorter. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing with facilities, and this kind of comes back, Butch has been trying to create the atmosphere, right? Been trying to, to make sure that Auburn can get the home foot advantage because the SEC is the highest level of amateur baseball in the world. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult to play in the SEC. And mm -hmm. Auburn has a lot of teams come in that are amongst the best teams in the entire country. I mean, you, you host preseason number one LSU at home. Yeah. You host preseason number five Texas A&M at yep. home. And so things like Operation Atmosphere, where they take out part of the outfield uh, padding to put in a fan area that is non-ticketed. You can bring coolers of beer. You can bring whatever you want to do. Love camp it. out, watch games. like Things like that, it's all to create the atmosphere at Plainsman Park. And so these facility upgrades are things to, one, increase capacity. You have seating mm -hmm. on top of... On, on top of the hitting lap, you have seating on top of the great on the monster, which is going to yeah. be super cool. I'm yeah. very excited for that. Yeah, and then you you cover uh, the concourse all the way down both sides, yeah. and so it gives you the ability to have premium areas to bring donors because you are still using donations for a lot of the funding for what you do. Uh, it gives you a space to bring more fans in and to have those fans closer to the field and more wrapping around the field when you're renovations are done you'll have fans go all the way from the mon uh, from the where the monster starts all the way to the scoreboard mm. oh man and so you cover a third of the outfield yeah. with fans there and yeah. then you added out operation atmosphere the goal in the future is to expand that larger and then you add fans out past right field faith on the field and so it's to recreate the atmosphere that you see at some of the classic sec powerhouses like in arkansas uh, like an Alec Box Stadium where those LSU mm -hmm. fans are on top of you, uh, like a Swayze Field for Old Miss, where they, they're they all the way around. They're in the outfield. There's no place you can get to that's quiet, and you cannot get away from the fans. That mm -hmm. is the idea. And if you notice, Auburn's been a little strategic with some of the scheduling. So those two big matchups I mentioned at home, LSU and Texas A&M, LSU is graduation weekend. Texas A&M oh. is a day, a -day. weekend a -day. with yeah. the dedication of the Frank Thomas statue. And so right. the idea is you're going to have all these extra people coming to town. We're mm -hmm. going to try to do everything we can to make these tough matchups 
be yeah. during those times when we have extra fans coming to town so we can sell out Plainsman Park, we can pack it, we can have the outdoor area or the past out the, the outfield area loaded full of fans, loud and mm-hmm. rowdy right next to their bullpen and we can create a hostile environment just like Auburn Arena. Like the the inspiration is what the jungle does at Auburn Arena. We want to bring the jungle from Auburn Arena to yeah. Plainsman Park. That's why you had batting practice with Butch Thompson, BP with BT where mm-hmm. they brought all of the Greek life students out to Plainsman Park. They want them to come to use that tailgating space uh, to come sit in the student seating to make noise. And these upgrades, sadly, they're not upgrading the, the, the press box. I wish the press box was part of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's going to go a long way towards getting uh, that atmosphere that Auburn needs to, to get the upsets of the better teams at home while we let these young freshmen mature so that we are the better team in every matchup. Yeah, I, I hear you. That regional was a perfect example, right? That atmosphere yep. was off the charts, and we smoked mm-hmm. everybody. It was beautiful. Cole, Cole Foster became the first player in Auburn history to hit home runs from the same side <laughs> of the plate in the same yeah, inning against South Wasn't that, that the first inning of the first game, too? That like, was the right first before. inning of yeah. our first game, and we actually yep. bring that same team, Southeastern, Southeastern Louisiana. Mm-hmm. We bring them back for a three-game series this year before SEC play starts. Already got my wow. tickets, buddy. So the, like the <laughs> last time they were in this ballpark, they got smoked. And yeah. now they got to come back and play a whole series here. Man, well, Lindsey, man, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Friday kicks things off, man. Indiana, uh, a big-time program. They've made trips to Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give us a lineup, a projected lineup, of what we could see Friday at 4 o'clock when they trot out there? Good catch. I was about to say they moved the game on Monday from 6 p.m. to 4 p.m. The reason for that, I checked the weather at 7 p.m. It's supposed to be 41 degrees. So I am very glad (laughs) our guys don't have to take a fastball up and in on the deck of the bat in 41 degree weather. And as somebody who stands on the field to do interviews after the game, also Mm. very glad it'll be in the sunshine. (laughs) Um, So my projected lineup, just based (laughs) off of what I've seen this spring, uh, starting off, I, I, this is, again, all assumption here, but right fielder Bobby Pierce, probably leading mm-hmm. off. Bobby uh, Casey Barrow. Howell, obviously playing center. He's played center now for 37 years. Uh, batting, <laughs> batting second. Uh, Ike Irish, DH, batting third. Uh, mm. Nate Rue, the catcher, batting cleanup. He's done a lot of work, tons of power in the fall and in the spring mm. uh, with that new stance and everything. Uh, Cole Foster batting fifth. Gives you a lot of flexibility because he's a switch hitter, obviously. Yep. Uh, Justin Kirby, Playing left field, batting sixth. Cooper McMurray uh, playing first at seven. Third baseman Bryson Ware, and then Caden Green at second. That's kind mm. of my opening thing. From what I understand, your first weekend rotation is going to be Chase Alsup on Friday, Joseph Gonzalez oh. on Saturday, and wow. Drew Nelson on Sunday. They acknowledge okay. Joseph Gonzalez is the best pitcher on this staff. Yeah, but. They want the flexibility going forward, and they did this some last year, moving Gonzo to, say, a Sunday for game three or mm. moving him forward mm. on Friday okay. to game one. And if you play him on a Saturday this weekend, yeah. it gives you more flexibility to move either direction because they don't want to move more than – they don't want to mess his routine up by more than one day. So if mm. you start him on Sunday this weekend – or if you, start, if you start him on Friday this weekend, you can't have to start him Saturday next weekend – and then it, it takes two weeks to move him to Sunday if you want him on yeah. Sunday. So they're going to put him at Saturday. And I like the idea of if your Friday night guy, in this case, Chase Alsup, uh, can get you a win, 
then you can send your best pitcher up there on Saturday with a chance to win the series, knowing that if for some reason that doesn't work, you still have another chance to win the series. I like the idea of that, of being able to say, yeah, you know what? It was close, but we beat you last night. Well, now you've got our best pitcher up there. He went, Mm. he, he had a complete game against Vanderbilt last year. Good luck. Um, And then the Sunday starter this weekend is going to, is, is, it's tentative, but it's going to be lefty Drew Nelson, the freshman. He's done a really good job, like I said earlier, of pitching to contact and and getting getting you know just weak ground balls into the defense that they eat up. I watched him throw four scoreless innings on something like thirty five pitches, and mm. it was just it was just ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. Here's a fly ball to Casey Howell, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. Here's a fly <laughs> ball to Bobby Pierce, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. So love it. Uh, it's the velocity isn't where ideally you would want it. I mean, the fastball sits 88, 89 or so, but the stuff works. He's getting weak contact. So they're going to go with that, knowing that you have the ability to throw out somebody in a crotch belt who has much better velocity uh, later in the game or piggybacking off of Nelson. Guys start to time up Nelson. Let's flip around and, and, and throw out crotch belt who's pumping 94 at you. See if you yeah. can time that up now. So, Well, Lindsey, man, uh, Dustin, I'll, I'll, I got to ask this when I left him off the list just a minute ago, and uh, and I'll kick it over to you, man. But, uh, Lindsey, Chris Stanfield, uh, what, what is the worm? I know he's a highly touted guy uh, coming in. I know he's very, very talented, and, and Auburn fans are, are excited to have him, man. Yeah, he is, as of like, from what I've seen, he's probably your fastest player on this roster, and he's mm. probably one of your strongest players mm. on this roster. Mm. Uh, so, as of right now, with Case and Howell coming back and you having three, you know, three seniors or super seniors in your outfield, he's your number four outfielder. He's your first man up. He's your future at center field. Yeah. And a lot of the conversation right now is that after this season, Case and Howell obviously has no more eligibility left. He goes on to MLB, a career, social security, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stanfield steps in as your starting center fielder for two years and then is going to MLB. And so I expect Stanfield, one, he's automatically going to be your pinch runner for any sort of situation. Uh, He has a good chance of being a a pinch hitter as well as a defensive replacement if you need one. Obviously, if one of those outfielders gets hurt, he's the first guy you call to take Mm -hmm. meaningful um, reps in center field and just going to be an asset. Might might not need him in year one. Definitely going to see him play. He's not gonna he's not gonna redshirt. Not gonna sit on the bench. He will play this year. But he is a big part of the future going forward. If you think about the future yeah. of this team, you have you know Crotchfeld in center. You have Ike Irish as your catcher, and you have I'm sorry Crotchfeld. You have Stanfield in center. <laughs> you have Irish at catcher, and you have Crotchfeld, Nelson, and Murphy as your rotation. That's a really good 2024 squad. Yes, the future yes. is very bright for Auburn baseball. Love to hear it, man. Dustin, uh, get you one in before we let Lindsay get out of here, man. Um, don't want to get you in trouble, Lindsay. If you don't, if you're not, if you can't answer this, you can't answer it. And the kid's name slips my mind, but uh, outfielder got hurt versus LSU last year. Uh, Josh Hall. Playing work. Josh, Josh Hall. Hall. Yeah. Josh okay. Hall. What, what's the status? He gonna be good to go soon? He is. He is good to go. He, from what I've been watching in spring, he was actually leading off for the second team. So okay. orange yeah. was usually the first team. Blue was the second team. He's been the leadoff guy. He's alternated between he's played some center field and he's played a lot of right field. Uh, if you had to yeah. deploy the, the backups in the outfield, you're putting Sanfield in center, you're putting him in right, but he's shown the defensive versatility. He can play all three positions at a plus level. 
Uh, the only real injury concern you have right now is Ben Bossy is going to have a, a Tommy John procedure. He's going to be out for the year. He was at the banquet two weeks ago with a big bulky brace on his elbow. He's going to be out for the year. Other than that, you have everybody else. Everybody else is healthy yes. and should be available. Okay. Mm, love that, man. Uh, Lindsay, man, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, before we let you get out of here, man, uh, we're going to give you the floor to plug all of your shows and your content. Where can the Auburn family find you, man? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. We live tweet from every single game. All of my written work gets tweeted out through there, but it's at AuburnDaily.com. We have gamers after every game. We have series previews go up the day before a game, uh, midweek notebooks, all that kind of stuff. Right now, we're finishing all of our previews of the different positions. Pitching goes up tomorrow. Uh, and then my podcast, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever mm-hmm. you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Like we said, top 20 baseball podcast, number one daily minor league baseball podcast. Yeah, let's go. Love that, man. Well, uh, Friday, it all kicks off, man. I will be coming up from Mobile, Alabama, uh, early Friday morning. Uh, Play freeze. Yeah, I'll be up there at Plains, and man, I can't wait. I'm excited. And uh, and I'm just so glad it's 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 here, Lindsay. Uh, mm. uh, just another another uh, quest to get back to Omaha, man. It it feels like every year the off season is longer and longer, and, longer. <laughs> and I don't know how they do it or what happens, but every year the off season is longer. We're finally here. Make sure you stop by and say hey on Friday. Yeah, man. Certainly, certainly. Well, with that being said, man, we're going to let you get out of here, and uh, we will catch each and every one of you who listen to this podcast on the next one. I'll leave you with a war eagle, and we're out.